good evening. Good to see everyone out this evening. I didn't see you already had some picked out there. Maybe we'll do a combination of both of them there. All right. Well, let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house to worship and to praise you. Lord, we ask for your presence to be in our presence this evening. I pray that you would just speak to our hearts and, Lord, give us exactly what we need. Uh, Lord, we do ask for uh, that you just be with our country now as uh, uh, there are a lot of uh, panic going on in our country. Lord, I pray that you would just give peace and comfort as only you can. Lord, we do thank you for all that you do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's turn to page 410. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Page number 33, tell it to Jesus. We'll sing the first, the third, and the last.
page number 333, page number 333, we'll sing it through two times. singing tonight that's why I want to I want to hear from heaven tonight I hope that's your prayer as well and uh, I do appreciate you coming out and uh, amidst all the scares and the things that's going on uh, I just I, I just uh, I feel like we need to hear from heaven I feel our country needs to uh, uh, get our eyes back on the Lord and uh, and we've got so many things going on in this country and uh, we just need to look to the Lord for our source of comfort, our source of strength. All right. Well, I, I want to continue our study. Uh, started a study last week, the difference that Jesus makes. He makes a difference in your life, doesn't he? Uh, I think about the day that I got saved, the difference that he made. I was on a, I was on a, a path straight to hell, and Jesus came and saved my soul, and now I'm, I'm on my way to heaven. And the thing about it is, is as I'm as sure of heaven as today, I'm as sure of heaven today as, a, as if I'm already there. I mean, heaven is my home, and I'm looking forward to that. Well, tonight we, uh, we're going to look at another story in John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8, a very familiar portion of Scripture, especially since we started looking at the, uh, the gallery of uh, uh, are the portraits of Christ there in John chapter and the in the book of John how G, John portrayed Christ and uh, but anyways we're going to look at this uh, this lady tonight and uh, I I titled the message sentenced to die aren't you thankful that uh, before we came have an encounter with Christ 
we were on our way to hell. We were, we were going to die condemned to hell. Uh, but when Jesus came, he made the difference in our lives. We're no longer sentenced to die, but we're sentenced to live. And because we've met the Savior, we are going to live forever. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? Uh, I was doing some, as I was studying this out, I noticed an article that I read. On, it says on, on uh, March the 22nd, 1824, an incident took place in Madison County, Indiana, which came to be known as the Fall Creek Massacre. Six white men murdered nine na- uh, Native Americans and wounded several others. Uh, among the nine killed were three women and four children. The six men were apprehended and, and tried and scheduled to be executed. And um, one of the men named John Bridge Jr. was sentenced to death uh, by hanging for his part in the massacre. He was execu- scheduled to be executed June the 3rd, 1825. His father, John Bridge Sr., and his uncle also were to be scheduled to be uh, executed that day. John Bridge Jr., along with a large crowd, uh, witnessed the hanging of his father and his uncle for the crimes that they committed. Finally, John Bridge Jr. was led to the gallows, and as the rope was lowered over his head, uh, uh, he heard the noise come from the back of the crowd. As a stranger rode forward and looked uh, at the condemned man, in the face, he says, Sir, do you know whose presence in which you stand? Uh, the man said, No, uh, I don't know who you are. He says, There are only two great powers known uh, by the law that can save you from the hanging of the neck until you are dead. One is the great God of this universe, and the other is J. Brown Ray, governor of the state of Indiana. The latter stands before you today. Handing over the written pardon, the governor announced, You are pardoned. You are free. In an instant, what had happened like a hope, what looked like a hopeless situation became a door of hope. John Bridge Jr. went back home, settled down, opened up a dry goods store, and died peacefully 51 years later. The difference was made. I told a story to tell you this, to ask you this question. Can you imagine the fear that gripped this man's heart as he watched his father and his uncle uh, hang there to die? Knowing that he was next, can you imagine the fear, what was going on in his mind? And I, I, I started thinking about that. Can you imagine the terror as he was led to the gallows and the noose was placed around his neck? It must have been a moment of terror that is unlike probably many of us have ever never experienced before. But I know one person who had experienced that feeling, this poor sinful woman that we're going to read about today, whose story we're going to read about, uh, uh, can be, can, she could relate to this text. Um, she knew the kind of fear uh, as she is led trembling into the presence of Jesus. She knows in her heart that she is about to die a horrible death by stoning. However, her path led her into the presence of God Almighty himself. The difference that Jesus makes. I'd like for us this evening to look at the difference that Jesus makes in the life of this woman. Why? 
Well, because I want you to know that what Jesus did for her, he can do for you. He can make a difference in your life as well. You see, she, was, she came into the presence uh, as a condemned sinner before a holy, righteous God, but she left his presence with a new lease on life. And I want to look at this text today in a message that I've titled, Sentenced to Die. Sentenced to Die. Uh, let's read here in John chapter 8, verse 1. The Bible says, Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law, uh, Moses in the law commands us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This say, they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus uh, stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground and though as though he uh, heard them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, being uh, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are thine, thou those thine accusers? Hast no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you again for this opportunity to come and just to open up your word and to help us to uh, get something from your word tonight. Lord, I pray that we apply this message to our hearts and our lives. That, Lord, that we'll, if we're not saved, Lord, if there's one here that's not saved, that uh, they could see the difference that you can make in their lives. And, Lord, for those that are saved, Lord, that we can remember the difference that you've made in our lives. Lord, and be thankful for what you've done. Lord, I pray that you would just take this simple message, apply it to our hearts and lives, that we may be better servants for thee. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look at the, just three or four thoughts this evening. I want you to notice some things about this woman. Now, this woman, notice first that, uh, notice that she, this, notice this condemned sinner. Look there in verse 3 of our text. It says, And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. She was taken in adultery. Now, notice her sin, first of all. According to the narrative of this story, she was caught in the very act of adultery. She was guilty before the face of the Lord and before the world, and everybody knew that she was guilty. Now, adultery is a vile, wicked sin, but it's no worse than any other. The Bible says in James 2.10, For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Now, I know we, put, we look at sin and we say, oh, this is more sinful and this is more sinful and this is, this is a bigger sin and uh, you know, murder is not as bad as telling a little white lie. Hey, sin will send you to hell. 
If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, uh, if you listen, we've all committed the, uh, a sin in our lives, and because of that sin, we are guilty and we are condemned to die. You see, in fact, even if you never committed a sin in our bodies, we have, we have in our minds, and we would still be guilty before the Lord. See, we are all guilty as this, this woman. Now, your sins, you might look at some, the Bible says, but they measuring themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. What we like to do is say, oh, I'm not as bad as, oh, Brother Caleb over here or, or Brother John over here. I don't, I don't do the things that he does or they do. I have my little sin over here, and it's not as bad as what they do. No, but when you compare yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ, you see yourself condemned and undone before the holy, righteous God. Notice her sin, but also I want you to notice her shame. Notice her shame. And their haste to bring this woman before the Lord. Her accusers probably didn't give her sufficient time to get uh, her clothes gathered, to get properly dressed. They just brought her. They wanted to uh, humiliate her. They wanted to humiliate her. And however that they may have been that she was certainly humiliated by the public accusation and the disclosure of sin. Now you think about this. How many in here wants their sins just broadcasted all over the world? Does anybody want, uh, anybody want, okay, let's, whoever wants to, why don't you come up here and we'll just blast, we'll just, we'll put it up here on, uh, we'll get Adam to put it up here, type all your sins up on the TV up here. Why don't you come on up here, anybody, any volunteers? You think what they're doing? They're trying to humiliate this woman. They're humiliating, they're bringing shame to this woman. They, by public accusation, you see, sin is a shameful thing, isn't it? No matter how skillful we are at hiding it among the, uh, from the eyes of men, the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the good and the evil. Jesus knows all about it, and one day it will be revealed before all. The saddest of all, the truth about our profession will also be made public one day. Wouldn't it be better, far better, to get everything taken care of right now with the Lord than, uh, than to have the fear to come? You see, there's coming a day of judgment and full disclosure. Revelation 20, verses 11 through 15. There's coming a day. But notice also her sentence. We see her sin, her shame, but also her sentence. Her accusers are here. And they were absolutely correct. According to the law, they were correct. She deserved to die. There was one small problem here. Where was her partner? You go back and read it. In the old, according to the law, they were both condemned to die. Both were supposed to die for this sin. The man may have been part of the scheme to attack Jesus... He may have been allowed to slip away. Nevertheless, this woman was guilty and she deserved to die. You see, nobody gets away with sin. The penalty of sin always comes due. 
There is a payday someday. I heard a message preach that. A payday someday. And that's the truth of it. There is a payday someday. The only hope that any sinner has is to flee to the loving arms of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, He offers the only hope anyone has in this world or the world to come. You see, He's the only way. In their efforts to humiliate this woman and to discredit the Lord, they brought her to the best possible place they could. They brought her to the very man who could deal with her past as well as the problem that she faced, who could make it all right. Now they thought they had him in a jam. Never think, never think for one moment that Jesus doesn't care about you. He's a sinner's friend, remember that. Even in his day, he was known to, to hang out with publicans and sinners. See, Jesus proved his love and his friendship when he died on the cross of Calvary. Jesus isn't as concerned about his reputation as he is your eternal destination. But then I want you to notice the cruel scheme. In verses 3 through 9, I'm not going to read them all again because we just read them, but notice the plan. These men, they, they were attempting to pin Jesus uh, on the horns of a dilemma. They thought, okay, we've got to come up with this plan. Let's get him according to the law. This is how we can do it. If Jesus simply let the woman go, then he would have been seen as being easy on sin and could have been arrested for being uh, uh, in violation of the law. If, however, he gave permission for the woman to be killed, he would have lost his, destroyed his reputation and his testimony of being a friend of publicans and sinners. So they felt like they had him exactly where they wanted him. They knew that they thought, oh, he's, he's between a rock and a hard spot. There's nothing for, there's no way, there's no wiggle room for Jesus. Let's see him get his way out of this. You see, the religious men could have they could have cared less about this woman, her sin, her soul, her eternal destiny. All they cared about was their pressing agenda and their brand of righteousness. But notice also the problem. Seeing their plan might have succeeded with any ordinary man, any ordinary judge. Their plan might have succeeded. The problem is they're dealing with Jesus Christ. And he simply refused to play by their rules. When they tried to stump Jesus, they discovered that they had met their match. Notice how he responded by their, their arguments. Notice, first of all, what did he do? He ignored them. Look there in verse 6. It says, they said, and they, they, This they said, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. Now, what did Jesus write? For over 2,000 years, men have tried to solve this little mystery. Today, I have a deep theological answer. I don't know. Have no clue what he wrote. I, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of people says, well, maybe he wrote the Ten Commandments. Maybe he, uh, perhaps he wrote their names in fulfillment of Jeremiah chapter 17, 13. Maybe he wrote the law down. Maybe he simply wrote the names of the girlfriends of all those men that were there. 
Maybe he wrote forgiven. Whatever he wrote on the ground, it surely got their attention, didn't it? By the way, he knows how to speak to your heart as well. How much better it is to come to him by faith and miss all the exposure and punishment. So first, he ignored them, but then he exposed them. Look there in verse 7 through 9 again. It says, So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus did speak, he said, He that was without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. You see, adultery can be committed with the head or with the heart, just as surely as it can be committed with the body. At this point, all, that was, all the shouting came to a stop and all that could be heard was the dropping of the stones and the shuffling of their sandals as they started backing away. Because there was none that was there that was righteous that could go the step and throw the stone that could cast the first stone at her. You see, these men had been exposed before their fellow men. They, accused, they were exposed before the lady. Hey, she, she, she saw that there was none that was righteous there. And most importantly, they were exposed before the Lord. Let's at least give these men some, or these folks some credit for the fact that when they saw themselves as they really were, Perhaps the most painful realization of all when we see ourselves for who we really are, sinners condemned, unclean, unworthy. They stopped calling out for the death of this woman. I want you to know that one of the hardest things you can face is yourself as you really are. However, when you see yourself as as sinful, as being sinful, then you can do something about it. Paul would, uh, would have went to hell had he not been brought face to face before himself and the Lord in Acts chapter 9. When he was convicted of, uh, of, of his sins. You know, see, when we are convicted of our sins, then is the time to come to Jesus. After all, he's the only one who can deal with man's sin problem. But then I want you to notice the complete salvation. Look there in verse 9 again. Verse 9 says, And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lift up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Notice that first Jesus faced her. Only Jesus could have cleared the temple with the stones. See, when the rocks hit the floor that day, Jesus was the only one that was righteous that could have picked up the stone and cast it at her. 
As he stood before her, he was the only one in the world who has ever known, who, who was ever qualified to take up the first stone, as well as the rest of the stones that were left there, and stone her to death. You see, when she faced Jesus, she was facing the ultimate judge. She had reached a place in her life where it was, it was just her and Jesus. It always comes down to that. Eventually, somewhere, someday, it's going to be between you and Jesus. I'd rather it be while we're here on this earth. Because every day, the Bible says that one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that He is Lord. Whether you've trusted Him in this life or not, one day you will. See, she had reached a place in her life where it was just her and the Lord. Oh, I'm sure that He has given you opportunity in this life to come to Him. What have you done with that? But then I want you to notice He forgave her. Look there in verse 11. The Bible says, She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. The only qualified to throw the stone at her refused to do so. Jesus dealt with her on the basis of grace. Aren't you thankful for grace tonight? I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God looks down at me and gives me grace. The religious man had condemned her and considered her good as dead. Jesus, however, saw her worthy of love and worthy of salvaging. When she came to Jesus, she received a new Lord. By her simple confession of Christ as Lord, salvation became hers. And that is all there is to being saved. Romans 10, 9, that, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thine heart that God hath raised from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It doesn't get any easier than that. Even a little child can understand that. Anyone who wants to be saved can be saved through the faith of the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. Notice what Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn thee. See, we stand before a righteous judge. And if we will ask for forgiveness, he says, All you that are around there judging me, he that was without sin cast the first stone. And then whenever I say, Lord, they're gone. He says, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Aren't you thankful that God and His grace has chosen to forgive you of your sins. He forgave her, but then notice He freed her. She got a new life. All of her life, she had been subject to the God of this world, Satan. She had been a prisoner of her own lust and her own desires. And Jesus, however, came and unlocked the shackles that held her bound to sin and set her free. Her life forever changed. Now think about this. We're talking about the difference that Jesus makes. 
The difference that he made when he came and saved you from your sins. Hey, you're no longer shackled by sin anymore. You're no longer condemned to hell anymore. Jesus made a difference in your life. Jesus takes, specializes in taking a wasted, ruined life and saving them by His grace and restoring them to usefulness. You may think, well, I'm not worthy. No, you're not, but because of Jesus Christ, we are made worthy. And we have, uh, behold, all things are become new, the Bible says. We get a chance to change and to begin a new life. With the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that Jesus said unto her. He called her in verse one, uh, 10. He called her woman. He used this term. If you'll. Uh, I studied it out. He used this term only twice. In the gospels. And both times. It was, it was considered in, in uh, John chapter 2. And then in John chapter 19. Both times was a title of honor. Applied to his mother. It would be equivalent as the term we say lady today. Uh, it was a term of honor given to a woman worthy of honor. This, this woman uh, was anything but a woman. Uh, in the terms we call. okay. But Jesus has a way of seeing things as that are not as though they were. In other words, he did not see this woman as she was. He saw her as what she could be because of him. Now think about this. When God sees us, he doesn't see us as we are. He sees the blood applied. And he sees the righteousness of his dear son, Jesus Christ. Think about that. The difference that Jesus makes. When Jesus looks at a lost sinner, surely he sees a potential in their lives. Like he did with this woman. He sees them as they can be through him. Life doesn't have to remain like it is. It can be better and it can be new if you'll come to Jesus. I was reading some other articles and at a special chapel service in the Ohio Penitentiary. The governor was to grant freedom to several convicts and uh, the suspense mounted as it came time for the governor to announce the selected names and he's called for Reuben Johnson. Reuben Johnson to come forward and receive your pardon. No one responded. The chaplain directed his attention toward Johnson and said, Reuben, that's you. You need to come. Come on. But the man looked behind him, supposing there must have been somebody else by the name of Reuben Johnson. Then pointing directly at him, the chaplain explained, That's right, you. You're the man. After a long pause, he slowly approached the governor to receive his pardon. Later, when the other prisoners marched to their cells, Johnson fell in line and began to walk with them. The warden called, Reuben, you don't belong there anymore. You're, free, you're a free man. Think about the application there. Caleb Young, another article I read, a man by the name of Caleb Young in Kentucky, he thought that a, man's, uh, that a man in the state prison was serving a life term uh, that had been, it was too heavily uh, sentenced on him, he believed. Bringing influence to, to, this, uh, to this man, he brought it to the governor's attention and uh, uh, um, 
or he was, I believe he was the governor, and he, was, he went to this man and he asked him, he said, if you were to, uh, to receive pardon and go home, what would you do? He looked at him and he said, I would go and shoot the judge who sentenced me and the lawyer who persecuted me and the witnesses who testified against me. This man said nothing to the man about the pardon. He went out of the prison and tore the pardon into pieces. See, Jesus doesn't pardon sinners to leave them as he found them. He changes our lives. He pardons them to change them forever. I'm no longer what I used to be. Thank God for that. And if you're saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, hey, you're no longer what you used to be. Maybe like this woman, your life was wrecked by sin. It was ruined by sin. Maybe you've been hurt by religious people. Maybe you're looking for a compassionate Savior, one who will make everything right. I want to invite you to Jesus. He cares about you just as you are. He loves you and he wants to save you. You say, well, maybe, maybe I, I, know, I know I'm saved, but my life hasn't been living like I should. Well, you need to realize you've been pardoned. You've been freed from, this, uh, from carrying this, this sin in your life anymore. And he wants you to live a life that is different. I read George Wilson was sentenced to hang after he uh, was convicted of killing a guard while robbing a federal payroll uh, from a train. Public sentiment against capital punishment led to uh, eventual pardon by President Andrew Jackson. Unbelievably, Wilson refused to accept the pardon. Can you do that? The case became so legally confusing that it went to the Supreme Court and and they ruled on it. Chief Justice John Marshall delivered the verdict. This is what he said. A pardon is a parchment whose only value must be determined by the receiver of the pardon. If it has no value apart from that which the receiver gives it. George Wilson was, has refused to accept the pardon. We cannot con, uh, conceive why he would do so. But he has. Therefore, George Wilson must die. Consequently, Wilson was hanged. God's grace becomes a pardon from sin only to those who will receive it. Friend, if you have never been saved, today's the day of salvation. And now's the accepted time. See, you stand condemned before a holy, righteous God. And you are destined to hell. But there is a pardon available. But you have to accept it. The pardon's there. You have to accept it. See, Jesus died on the cross, and when he died, he was dying for you. He died and he rose from the dead. Now he invites you to come to him by faith for salvation. In the spiritual sense, you stand condemned before God. You are on the gallows. You're, you're on the gallows, and the noose is around your neck. At any moment, the floor can drop from you. And you can find yourself dead and lost forever and condemned to the fires of hell. Don't let that happen to you. 
I want to encourage you tonight. If you're here and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, I realize it's a Wednesday night. I realize that. But I also realize there's so many people that make false professions today. They've never, never really experienced a change in their life. I'm here to tell you that when Jesus Christ saves a person, He changes a person. He makes a difference in people's lives. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you're here tonight, say, Pastor, I don't even know for sure I'm saved. I've got some questions. I've got some doubts. I'm going to encourage you to find a place at the altar or come and see me after services. We can open up God's Word and share with you how you can know for sure that heaven's your home. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I'm saved, but I haven't been living my life like I should. I've been still living like I've been shackled to the sins. You've been freed. You no longer have to carry that besetting sin. You no longer have to carry that weight of sin any longer. Won't you come and lay that down at the altar tonight? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, you know each situation, you know each heart tonight. Lord, I ask that you would speak to our hearts and do what you will. Lord, I pray that if there's one here that doesn't know you, that today will be the day of salvation. And Lord, for those that realize there's some areas in their life that's just not right, Lord, I pray tonight, I pray right now that, Lord, they would get their hearts in tune with you. Lord, that they would lay those things at the altar tonight, realizing that you have made a promise that if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, I'm thankful for the change that you made in my life. Lord, we love you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you stand to your feet as Brother Adam begins playing? God spoke to your heart. I'm going to encourage you to find a place at the altar. Just have a short time of invitation here. God spoke to you. seated as you in an attitude of prayer just want to lift up some petitions tonight want to remind you of a few things of course pray for our country uh, whether you uh, um, whether you realize it or not this coronavirus uh, uh, the way the media the way things are being uh, conveyed to our our country um, it's uh, it's affecting our society it's affecting our country and uh, I just would ask that you would pray for our country. Um, pray that uh, God would send a revival to our country and uh, open our eyes to what's going on. And uh, um, I think we ought to be careful. 
Okay, folks, I, I think we ought to be careful, but I think that we ought to be careful anytime with a common flu or a coronavirus or whatever. You ought to wash your hands. Those are common things. I mean, you ought to, you ought to have some common sense about you. So um, I just wanted to, wanted to want you to pray about that, what's going on. Um, it's affecting our economy. It's affecting a lot of things. People are swallowing uh, uh, what's going out there, and we need, just need to be careful and pray for our country, all right? Uh, would ask that you would continue praying for Miss Kimberly's sister. Um, she's having, um, uh, just needing some prayer, some um, sickness going on and things such as that. So pray for, this is, is it Candy or, yes, Candy. Uh, do you also call her sis? Okay, okay, that's, I get them mixed up. I know who they are, just, uh, but anyway, so uh, pray for Candy. Also pray for Kenny Johnson. Um, he needs to be saved, but also his health. Most importantly, he needs to be saved. Um, but pray for, pray for his health as well, and uh, maybe the Lord will use that as an avenue. That's how I've been praying for some time. Um, pray for other family members that Miss Kimberly has. She's kind of kept me up to date with some of the things uh, her um, I think it's her cousin Brent um, had they sold their house they've got some a lot of things going on health issues and just a lot of things going on in the family right now and um, I just ask that you remember uh, their family remember the McGinnis family I know it's not McGinnis but Miss Kimberly's family all right um, yes brother Caleb for Miss Lisa Drury. Okay, anyone else? Yes, Brother Adam, I'm sorry. for our election. Yes, Jennifer.
Yeah. Okay. Anybody else? All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for the uh, Lord, how you spoke to our hearts tonight. Lord, thank you for all that you do for us. Lord, we do ask that you would uh, would, would be with uh, these prayer requests, and Lord, that you would answer them according to your will. Lord, I do ask that you would be with uh, Candy as she's having some uh, just some uh, sickness and Lord uh, going on there. Also for Kenny. And uh, for Brent and or just the needs that are in the fam- McGinnis family, Lord, for Miss Kimberly's family, for Gigi and just, Lord, all the things that are going on there that just seems like um, oftentimes it seems like we get weighted down with the, uh, what's going on. And Lord, I just ask that you would just uh, comfort them or Lord, that you give them peace and or that, that you would continue to uh, work amongst them. Lord, I ask that you, most importantly, for Kenny's salvation. Lord, I pray that you'd save him before it's eternally too late. Also, Lord, we ask that you would be with um, uh, Miss Lisa as she's going in for uh, EKG tomorrow. Lord, I pray that you would be with the doctors and give them wisdom. Lord, I pray that you would uh, guide and direct them and give her peace as well. As no doubt she's probably anxious. Uh, Lord, I ask that you would be with uh, what's going on in our country with the coronavirus and how it's shutting things down. And Lord, I pray that you would give our leaders wisdom. Lord, that you would give them a direction. Lord, that you would give them clarity. Lord, those that are at the CDC, and Lord, I pray that you would uh, just uh, show us how to uh, best uh, take care of this. And then also for uh, other countries that don't have um, the health care and don't have the means to take care of this situation as we do, Lord, I pray that you would just... Uh, that you would work in a great way there. Also for our missionaries that are that are uh, either being hindered or, uh, Lord, that are over in those countries that uh, are just unable to work as you have them to. Lord, I pray that you would just meet their needs and keep them healthy. And, Lord, that you would uh, just guide and direct in their lives. Lord, I do ask that you would be with our upcoming election, Lord, that you would put the man uh, there that you would have, and Lord, that you would uh, continue to uh, uh, use our country to uh, just to be a leader in this world and to bring about uh, your business. Lord, I ask that you would be with Jennifer as she's trying to find her uh, license, and Lord, I pray that you would just guide there. Lord, for our church, Lord, I pray that we would continue to grow in spirit, most importantly. But also, Lord, I pray that you would give us, uh, Lord, some uh, some souls as well. Uh, most importantly, see souls saved. Lord, also bring some visitors our way, Lord, that we may be able to be ministers to them. Lord, again, thank you for all that you do. It's good to see uh, Miss Evelyn and uh, Bethany here this this evening. Lord, I pray that you would continue to be with them. And uh, Lord, we just uh, thank you for all that you do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you for being here. And uh, I'm going to be the mean guy. And it's okay to wave at Miss Evelyn and uh, the babies, but please don't go up and kiss and hug and and things such as that. So I'll be the mean, ugly guy. All right, so don't do that, please. Just kind of wave at them. I'm sure they appreciate that.